HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Blueprint, the original juice cleanse program to offer different levels of intensity depending on your needs and current diet. For more information, visit Blueprint.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The All right, we are back from a couple of weeks off. Sorry, everyone. Still running a bunch of bars. Sometimes, you know, I get stuck working. It's just part of the game. It's part of the business. But we are back, and you're listening to The Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte, and it's good to be back on a lovely day here in Brooklyn. And luckily, I get to have two really great people in the studio together at the same time, which is very hard, especially for a new brand. But from Hill Rock estates uh a new newer company that's been making some awesome bourbons and single malts i have dave pickerel master distiller and daniel eddie the director of marketing sales welcome to the show guys hey thanks great to be here thanks i've been wanting to have you guys on for a while so it's really cool um actually i ran into you daniel out in uh in like on the streets of cognac when uh you were on a discus trip which you were for discus and diageo and i was out there for the for the radio show actually that's how i got out there from a different trip and I was with like Paul Clark from Imbibe and Paul Picult, and that was just kind of funny. We're like, "What the heck is that? What? What the exactly. hell are you doing here?" Main streets of Cognac, running into folks <laughs> from New York. You never know who you're going to run into. I know, and just even like meaner than that. Last time I saw you guys was down there at Tales of the Cocktail. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's always a good time. Always. Last last time I saw you guys down there, it was at Pig and Punch, and I just had to leave. I had to go find <laughs> some air conditioning. Finally, I had to throw in throw in the hat, man. Um, so yeah, you actually, uh, interesting story. I heard that, uh, you know, I, I delayed my flight, um, from Tales of the Cocktail, uh, by about, I don't know, 12 hours or so. I just couldn't do it. You know, I was supposed to leave early Monday morning and, uh, so I decided, uh, me and, uh, Aaron Polsky decided, and my buddy Mike decided to, uh, delay our flight to get back to New York just so we'd have a little bit of breathing room, you know, after, you know, waking up. Uh, after that long weekend, and uh, we'll get to the airport, we're standing there in security line, and uh, all of a sudden we get a a flight delay uh, note from uh, you know uh, Delta Airlines, and so we're there in the, uh, we get to the bar, ran into everyone in the bar room, uh, waiting by the gate, and turns out that a Southwest flight 
had gone down. In LaGuardia. In LaGuardia. And so our flights were delayed by a little bit. And you were on that flight. Yeah, I, I promise I didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> I, I didn't. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not try to fly the plane. The uncrashable. <laughs> You're just giving all those pilots too much Hill Rock whiskey. There was just a little bit too much celebration, I guess. <laughs> One thing, uh, Nicole Austin, who you work with, uh, is consulting for distilleries, she told me a funny story about that. She said that uh, when you talk to her, the thing you were most excited about is uh, going down the chute. Oh, yeah. How often do you get to slide down a slide off an airplane? You know, I, the, the kid absolutely came out in me. I, you know, I, I was like the second to last person off the plane, and I thought, okay, I'm not holding anybody up. I can have fun. And so, you know, they kind of want you to just do a seat drop and just slide down the slide. And I, I got to the edge of it. You know, I used to parachute in the Army. And, and so I, I, I walked up and I put both feet on the edge of the plane. I slapped the outside of the plane. <laughs> and I just jumped as hard as I could jump, kicked my feet up in the air and just went sailing out in the air. Landed one bounce on my butt and right up to my feet at the end of the slide. Popped up and, and the fireman's trying to help me up off the end. And I was on my feet before he could even get a hold of me. And I looked at him and I said... Can I have do-overs? That was so fun. <laughs> he goes, sir, please join the people over on the tarmac. <laughs> it, was, it was no fun at all. But, but your hat didn't come off. No, right? that was the big thing to the whole thing. It's like, I, you know, it was, the debate was, do we take things or not? Do we take our backpacks or not? I go, I don't care about the backpack. The hat's coming with me. <laughs> That's awesome. So actually, uh, speaking of you, so you went to West Point. Right? Yes. And you started uh, working with chemical engineering when you were there, or was that when you went to uh, Louisiana? Well, actually... Um, or, sorry, Louisville. Yeah, I, I, uh, um, I, my, my dream was to always be a chemical engineer, and West Point was kind of the vehicle. Um, West Point accepted me to, to go play football. I play football. <laughs> and uh, um, they didn't have chemical engineering at the time. They do now. Um, but they had chemistry, so I majored in chemistry. And I was just going to do my obligation and then find a way to get my master's and as I was finishing my first five years they called up and said would you like to come back and be a professor and I said uh, tell me about the deal and they said okay deal is six more years and you get a master's degree in any chemistry related field and I go chemical engineering and they said yep I said done nice so uh, so I signed up to be a chemical engineer went and taught chemistry at West Point and then then uh, Literally, my mentor aimed me at this little consulting firm that all they did was beverage alcohol, and the rest is history. Nice. And then, then you went to uh, Maker's Mark for a very long time. They were uh, – oh, the, the interview for that was great. I was, I was actually consulting for Maker's Mark. I was doing a little bit of a, of a project down there, and, and uh, Mr. Samuels walks out of, his, out of the offices, and, and he, he walks over to me and goes, Hey, Dave. He goes, Did you know that we're um, – interviewing right now for our, our next VP operations and master distiller? I said, no, sir, I didn't. He goes, well, we are. And we've exhausted our whole candidate pool, didn't find anybody we liked. But we like you, and if you want it, it's yours. That was my interview. That's huge. <laughs> that is huge. That's crazy, man. Like, that's uh, that's kind of like a dream situation for most people. <laughs> oh, it was unbelievable. I, 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 I was like, really? You know, you're just going to, just like that? You know, you're just going to walk out and say, we like you, have the job? You know, I mean, that, that, that never happens. You know, people ask all the time, how do I get to be a master distiller? I said, don't ask me, because you'll never do it the way I did. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, it, like, the whole time that you were going in for, uh, for chemical engineering, were you thinking long-term, like, becoming a distiller, or was it just, like, a field that you really, really liked? Oh, um, 
I really I, I just wanted to be the guy that understood the tanks and pipes and all that kind of junk. You know, when I was literally, I mean, it's hard to believe, but when I was five years old, my my dad rest his soul. I don't know whether he did this to aim me at chemical engineering or just to shut me up. But uh, my four-year-old view of things was that on Sundays we'd pile in the car and we'd drive until we got lost, and then we'd find a way home. And where we lived was a fairly industrial area, and you had to pass factories and such. And, and I was always you know, on my knees looking out the back window going, Dad, why is that tank over there, and what's this pipe doing? And, and it wouldn't take very long before he'd say, Dave, the only person that really understands that is the chemical engineer. And so by the time I was five, I'd heard that often enough that I finally just said, well, then fine. I'm going to be the chemical engineer because I want to understand it. And and literally, that was my total motivation, and that's what drove me from the time I was five until the time I was about 35 because that's about how long it took before I actually finally got my degree and uh, could start practicing. But but literally, that it was I just want to understand the tanks and the pipes and the pumps. And and uh, the distillation part was just a, a, a fun adder that, that – uh, you know, I kind of have a stupid human trick. It's not that I'm very smart. It's just that I can close my eyes and I can picture molecules running around in a still, and I understand why they're moving where they are. And uh, and uh, fortunately, uh, my mentor realized that, and he aimed me directly at the beverage alcohol industry. And um, you know, it's the most bizarre route ever into this, <laughs> but uh, but I'm rather glad it worked out because I'm having an absolute blast. Absolutely. So are we. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so like. Say so, so after Hill Rock, you've also, or sorry, after uh, Maker's Mark, then you, you were consulting. I mean, you've been consulting for dozens of distilleries around the country and around the world. And was it something that you were going to do to like get smaller batch? Because you went to Whistlepig there for a while, and like you were definitely with them for a while. And uh, yeah, I still do some work with them. Yeah, yeah. Was it? Was it? I am not because like. I love Maker's Mark and I love Whistlepig. And I'm just wondering because, like, a lot of people, I don't know, it's, I kinda, it kind of seems to be the theme of, like, kind of like a progression of nowadays where it's, like, it's not necessarily about, like, the bigger bigger company, bigger money. It's, like, you know, more heart and soul, you know? Um, you know, I, I, I have a piece of cross stitch that says the reward in a thing well done is having done it. And, uh, um, when I left Makers, it was specifically with the idea of helping craft distillers get started. And and we have a motto, and we call it putting feet on dreams. And uh, and the objective for, for Oakview Consulting is to do exactly that. It's to do whatever it takes to help people's dreams come true in the, in the arena of beverage alcohol. And, uh, um, and that's, that's what jazzes me is, is when I can – help somebody with whatever pieces they need, whether it's, you know, I just need somebody to help me run my still for a day or whether it's, I need somebody to help me raise money and, and, right. and do a business <laughs> plan. Yeah. And, you know, it's just however much or however little, um, getting them up and running and then, you know, and then patting them on the back and cheering them on to victory and then watching them win awards. You know, you know, last year at the American Distilling Institute's uh, spirits competition, 24% of all the awards that were given went to clients of mine. Nice. And literally, by the end of the night, I had no voice. And everybody goes, what are you hollering for? There's none of your products on here. I go, <laughs> "I go, well, there is one, but 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 these are all my babies, you know, and, I, yeah. and they're all my kids, and I can cheer for my kids. And That's and, great. I mean, even like Discus and Tiaja, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of 
educational stuff and like there's sharing like it used to be like a heavily guarded secret like 10 years ago you it was the kaiser sorze of the spirits world right. when it comes to discus oh discus what <laughs> but they really were they were out there educating which is how i got a chance to meet dave but i always say if you want to see a man with a twinkle in his eye ask dave about some of his projects that are going on because he really does treat them like his babies um, but he and I started working together down at Mount Vernon, which is another one of Dave's distilleries. While I was working at Discus, we were creating Mount Vernon's, um, George Washington's rye whiskey. At his actual... At his actual distillery. That's insane. So picture learning how to make whiskey or any type of spirit in George Washington stills from Dave Pickerel. And you, you kind of learn what's going on. Yeah, seriously. So Dave and I would be there, and he would be telling me about all of his projects and just gleaming as if they were his own children. Don't get me wrong. He also gleams about his children as well. <laughs> <laughs> but we can't sit around and sample those late nights sitting in the quarters talking about everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, like, that, that must have been crazy. I mean, like, were you guys doing brandies then? I mean, or were you doing whiskey or, We'd, like, a little bit of both? Um, the Distilled Spirits Council would set up you know, annual events at Mount Vernon. They still do from time to time. And uh, um, and this particular year, we were making uh, um, apple eau de vie or apple brandy, and uh, um, and uh, so uh, um, you know Danielle was down doing all the coordination, making sure all the people were there, and lifting that barge lifting and toting that bale, and <laughs> and uh, you know and and I was just singularly impressed at, at at number one how well she coordinated all the activities number two her her incredible contacts i mean she's i i I truly believe that she's the the number one spirits you know personnel (laughs) relationship kind of person in in all of the all of north america i'm blushing well i pay him lots of money to say (laughs) that (laughs) but uh she is singularly impressive and 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 her ability to network and bring people together and and uh um, you know, and I really thought, you know, this is somebody I would really, really like to work with on one of the special projects. And so, uh, it's great. You know, I, you know, we already knew whiskey. we could drink together. Yeah, I, whiskey. We had lots of together. practice there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Out in India, down in Mount Vernon, uh, down in Kentucky, wherever it may be, we'd been drinking together for years. So why not try and make something we could uh, drink and play with together? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, we're going to take a little break, and when we get back, let's sample some of the goods. We'll be right back with Dave Pickerel and Daniel Eddy of Hill Rock Estates Distillery. You're listening to Kill Me in the Summertime by Dead Stars on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Keep it locked for more from the Speakeasy.
Blueprint is the original juice cleanse program to offer different levels of intensity depending on your needs and current diet. Designed to purify and detoxify, Blueprint Cleanse is made from the freshest 100% raw and USDA certified organic ingredients, cold pressed to retain nutrients and flavor. Blueprint also offers a line of organic juices, cold pressed and raw, in a variety of fruit and vegetable combinations and available in individual bottles. Blueprint Cleanse is available at Whole Foods Market and many other retailers across the U.S. To learn more about their line of organic cleanses, juices, and other products, visit them today at Blueprint.com or call them at 866-774-6831. That's 866-774-6831. Work hard, play hard. Cleanse, repeat. And we're back. I have already sampled six whiskeys during the break. Um, what was that? 45, 50 seconds? Jesus. Uh, <laughs> That's better than I did this morning. <laughs> you're listening to the Speakeasy. We are talking with Dave Pickroll and Daniel Eddy of Hill Rock Estates Distillery. How long have you guys been out since the launch? We launched the World's First Solaria Age Bourbon in October of 2012. So just under a year with product in the market. But we've been making whiskeys since 2012. The estate has been established for years, since the 1800s, and as a distillery since 2000, we st- uh, had our, our fields going <laughs> nice. to grow the grains, yes. So, um, well, I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's really cool to me to, to see that, you know, over the last uh, five, six years, so many local distilleries that have been coming around, a lot of them are unaged spirits. Which, you know, a lot of gins, a lot of rums. A lot, lot of vodkas. A lot of vodkas. A um, lot of uh, unaged whiskeys and, you know, moonshines and whatnot. Um, so it's nice to see, like, especially after, you know, even with, uh, like, Tuttletown, they would, you know, very short-aged uh, spirits. But to see so many more distilleries coming out that are actually... Thank you. Putting more, more aged whiskey. products more, on there. Yeah. More you unaged. Need... Speaking of an unaged product. Um, yeah. We do... Um... I mean, Tuttletown was the first distillery in New York um, since Prohibition actually started putting product on the market. So we really have to tip our hat to them for for really showing everybody that it can be done. And now there's more than 30 distil- distilleries in New York. Um, but whiskey takes time to age. You have to put yeah. it away and let it rest for a little bit. So sometimes if you want to make that money stuff, that green stuff, you need to put something else out beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. And there's great on age stuff out there, whether it be... absolutely gins and vodkas and everything else but um we wanted to put a whiskey out something a little brown to start mm-hmm. out with yeah and this was solar aging uh process was a great way to do that and that's that's a, a process that we've talked about only a couple of times on the show um the whole solera aging process which normally you see with you know sherry and rum um mm-hmm. or you'll see like on a, a bottle of scotch solera you know solera Madeira aged, uh, finished, you know, like whatever. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, I think it's a really cool process with whiskey. You know, um, you you constantly have that that mother in there. You know, exactly. Well, they say that there's a cognac out there that um, claims to have molecules from the time of Louis the Fourteenth. Yeah, we have no Louis, but <laughs> we do have a pretty good whiskey. Or a little, we've got some stuff that's over eight years old now. Um, but uh, um, that's the the cool thing about uh, about the. Uh, the Solera process is, you know, it uses what I call, you know, the, the Zeno's paradox. You know, if you go halfway to the wall and halfway to the wall and half, you never get to the wall. 
And uh, so if you never take more than half of the spirit out of the, out of the bottom tier of barrels at any one time, you'll, you'll never, ever deplete all of the molecules from the original batch right. that went in there. And so every time you make a withdrawal and add in new, you're adding to the depth and complexity of the product. And uh, that's what makes it so phenomenal. And the promise of Hill Rock Solera then is, you know, for it to start out with a 96 and winning the gold medal at the Spirits of the Americas. Um, Platinum. And, and just to gold. know that that's just the start. Oh, and, yeah. And mm-hmm. that it's going to get deeper and more complex from there. That's that's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, I I absolutely love the product. I mean, like the Solera Age and the Single Malt. It's, the Single Malt's one of my favorite things. Daniel came by... Uh, a few months back and tried me out on them. And it was actually my first time to taste them in uh, a more controlled environment. Because I do remember, I think I remember tasting some samples last year down in New Orleans. At a mini uh, perfume-looking bottle. Yeah, that... yeah. But that's... There's, <laughs> Label-less. There's, if it was anything past, like, day two, the, the palate was already shut. Exactly. <laughs> Something no that point. came out of either her purse or my pocket. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, by the end, by you know, they, we've we've done this so often now that that I'm kind of referred to as Mr. Whiskey Pants. <laughs> <laughs> they call me that too, but for a different reason. Completely. For completely different reasons. <laughs> but so yeah. yes, I had showed up with an actual bottle. Yeah, and that was that was the first time I actually saw the bottle. You know what? Speaking of the bottle, um, there's this strange phenomenon that's happening. Uh, on like Instagram and on Twitter and Facebook and stuff, of people taking the Hill Rock bottle and basically just like chugging out of it. Hill Rocked. Hill Rocked. We enjoy that, yes. Um, Yeah. It's funny because it's a really beautiful package. It's very classy and very classic. And then you see people getting really raunchy with it. People are loving it. People are coming out of uh, out of the woodwork. When I tell you there's a few bars I'll go into and the, the type of people look like they would be walking up and ordering a PBR. And they'll order a Hill Rock and say, you know what, can we just take the rest of that bottle? And it's amazing happening all over the city in these small little neighborhoods. It's phenomenal. That's so cool. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, especially for, you know, you can take it from, like, the, take it from the dive bar to, you know. Exactly. Up to, to you know, the, exactly. <laughs> yes. And it's in all of them. Um, but people, I think, get really excited when I hear them do that. I do buy it for them. So, hey, word to the wise, order Hill Rock. You never know when I may be out there buying your shots. Out there a lot. You know. Yeah, exactly. It, it could happen. <laughs> um, actually, uh, you know, it's another thing, too. Like, it came from, like, the world of graphic design. That's what I went to school for. So I, I'm a sucker for packaging, and it is, like, it is very beautiful. Um, and for those of you out there haven't seen it, go to the website. You can check out all the products. Um or go to the bar, see if they have yeah. it. They should just yeah, ask for it if they don't. Yeah, Threaten ask for them. it a lot. Yeah, exactly. You may see me there. I'm gonna have to try the single malt again. I, I need a refresher course. We uh, um, it's really funny when we were designing the package. You know, we literally it started it started with a Chanel number no. five bottle. Oh yeah. And and the question was kind of, what would it look like? What would its great grandfather look like? And uh, so we still refer to it as the Chanel number no. seven fifty now. <laughs> nice. So but it, it stands out as well. There's not too many other packages like that out there. So it does uh, help to have people say, hey, what is that? Yeah. Well, I do want to talk about some some of the other processes besides the Solera aging. Uh, you guys are doing all of your own. like We're your, growing our grains. You're doing all of your own grains. You're floor malting. Can you explain what floor malting is? I'm going to let the uh, the gentleman to my left. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm busy <laughs> pouring you a sample of single malt. Sorry. I mean, because yeah. there aren't very many... Um, 
It's not a very like common term. It's not something that's it's unless a you're out term. in Scotland or sitting exactly. on the Isle of Isla or right. something. Uh, well, the the process of malting there, there's a, there's a couple of ways you can do it. The generically malting is allowing uh, any seed grain to partially germinate mm-hmm. and then stopping the germination process. And uh, the way we do it is is the traditional oldest method available, where you you take the take the the barley and you hydrate it in a steeping tank until you get its moisture content up to a nice high level around 45 46%. Then you spread it out on a floor and you get a nice thin layer and uh, you let the moisture slowly dry out. And as it dries out, it gets hot and the roots start to form as it germinates and then then the fun part starts because the uh, the roots will start to tangle, so you have to keep raking it. So about every 4 or 5 6 hours you got to go in there and and feng shui the the malt bed. Um, like, to, a, like a big like Zen garden. Oh yeah, that's yeah, exactly, that's what, exactly it what it looks like. It looks like a big Zen garden because you you have to keep turning it over in order to keep the rootlets from binding up. Because if you don't, you wind up with you know one homogeneous monolithic bed of malt and clump and, and, and clump you, never giant sounds malt good. Cracker. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, never and, sounds uh, good with whiskey. And so uh, so we just keep stirring that up and stirring it up, and you keep doing that until. Until we get the right amount of growth, and there's, there's, you know, the 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 plant grows out of both ends. You get the the rootlets on one end, and then, then the the we call it the acrospire. This is a, the 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 first startings of the bud at the other end, and when that gets to about three quarters of the length of the seed, it's time to stop. And then we shovel it all down into a kiln, spread it out, and uh, hit hit the fires, and and use heat to to stop the malting process, and Depending on what it is we're making, we may throw in some peat or some cherry wood or some apple wood or something else to to imbue the 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 malt with the smoke characteristics so that we can carry it forward. Yeah. Um, the the single malt that you're tasting is uh, is an unsmoked variety, so it's more like an Irish style, um, except that it hits a lot of new wood and yeah. uh, you know one of the things that that we do at Hill Rock that is fairly unique and across all of our product line is this we've got a lot of bizarre multi-barrel aging stuff going on <laughs> so so the the solera you know we know about the cascaded aging and it's got a, a nursery on the front end and it's got a, a a sherry barrel on the back end and then we got the single malt and the single malt literally we just talk about it as a multi-barrel aging process because it's really hard to explain but literally we'll put it in one barrel for a little while and then when it's got this characteristic we take it out of that and put it in another one and then another one and another one, <laughs> and another one, and uh, all of the stuff that's in that bottle has probably seen about five different barrels, and oh, wow. they get different characteristics. And it's you know, so it's it's almost impossible to explain it in a neat little package. So it's just our multi-barrel aging process, and yeah. then you go to our double cask rye. Yeah, which this is. And, I've, uh, we've got. I wish everyone in the sh- and the uh, the listening audience could uh, see what's going on in here right now. They're about how many. Nine bottles of whiskey on the table. <laughs> oh man! Well, what we do? We, we wanted to give you a little treat. Here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. So you've got some, obviously, some new products coming out then, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's one of the things that really enticed me about working with with Jeff is that uh, he calls me up and he and he says, "All right, I want you to work with me. I can afford to do some interesting things." I'm going to give you boundaries that are so wide that you'll need binoculars to see one side from the other. 
The only one stipulation is you have to make something that tastes like scotch. And, uh, and so I promised him we would. And we've got some stuff that will be coming out within a year that, that's going to – Six months in a year. We that's going to knock your socks off in the scotch world. Nice. Um, now, we won't be able to call it scotch, right. obviously. But, uh, but we're actually using all of the tricks that my friends across the pond have taught us, including getting a little bit of malolactic fermentation on the back end of right. things, which most people just blow off because it's a pain in the neck to manage the, the lactic acid bacteria. But we've got all of that stuff going on. And, and uh, so I'm really excited about it. Danielle just can't hardly wait because we, <laughs> we've got one out there that's a, that's a peat bomb. And that's nice. Danielle really. Days you know, smokes. I cannot wait for that one the, to come out. The nice. more smoky it is, the better Danielle likes it. So anybody, ever, if you ever meet Danielle and you want to impress her, buy her something smoky, either a mezcal that's got a lot of smoke or to it or, or something Isla. from Eiley. And, uh, <laughs> and you'll, you'll impress her socks off. <laughs> Well, dude, I, I, I can't thank you enough for bringing in all these rides. I mean, we don't have enough time to sit here and gab about them on the air, but we could do that after, after. we close the show. Oh, sure. We've got plenty of time to taste yeah. and lots to go through. Oh, absolutely. Well, um, we're going to have them all up at the distillery. We're doing an open house on the 21st of September from 12 to 5. And we'll have them all out there if anybody wants to come up and try them on their own and figure out which uh, cask they want to purchase from. That's awesome. I've seen. I've only seen pictures of the estate, but it's beautiful. Oh, it's glorious. We'll Absolutely. bring you up there yeah, very, I, very soon. I, I like going upstate. Come on. <laughs> Who doesn't? Especially if, I, if I'm going there to drink whiskey with some cool people. Exactly. That's a fun part. Yeah. So um, tell us where we can find uh, more information on it. Uh, more information, um, hillrockdistillery.com. Um, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. And we're in a few different stores all over the place, but definitely Google Hill Rock Estate Distillery, and we uh, pop up left and right. Hill Rock, Hill Rock, or uh, Google Hill Rocks, and you'll get a completely different set of uh, rules coming up out there. <laughs> nice. Well, Danielle and God, Dave, I've been trying to get you both on here for so long, so it's great to actually get you on here, and it's been my pleasure having you in the studio. And I can't wait to nice have to you back here. on when we get that uh, when we get that uh, single malt Scotch style out. This, I bet the studio is going to smell like smoke for days. <laughs> we hope so. We'll do our so. best. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Thanks, it. Damon. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. We'll see you next week. I'm Damon Bolte. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's going to save your soul. The devil them rhythm and blues that sound. It's going to get you Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.